Welcome to the podcast, Successful as Fuck. I am your host, Raya Gonzalez, and this podcast is a compliment to my book, Successful as Fuck, which is due out September 2022. The book explores success in all its forms through the lens of my personal story. But on these episodes, we're going to hear from people just like you and their stories of unconventional success and tenacity. Tune in, ask questions, and stick around for the fun. Um, I am here with Tamika Leon today. She is an expert on goals and success, which makes me so excited because that is what our show is all about. Um, Tamika, welcome to the show. Hey, Raya. Thanks so much for having me on here. You are so welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us how you serve people. Okay. So like you said, I'm Tamika and For me, as a confidence and goal success coach, my main focus is working with high achieving women and helping them redefine what success means to them and how that looks in their life. And then together, we'll create a plan to actually make that happen. Yeah, that's awesome. That and that's so pivotal to what the book is about. I mean, people think they see successful as fuck and they're like, oh, that's not for me because. I'm not successful as fuck. And I, my answer is who told you that? You know what I mean? Because that is not true. Like everybody is, because if you, if you say you are, you are. Yes. Yes. And no one can take that away from you. So if you are, what is the word abdicating your um, ability to be successful to somebody else, then that's your choice to say you're not, not because you're not. Exactly. So I think that's so, so important. Um, Tell me a little bit about if we were to rewind and to go back to your early years in adulthood, when you were thinking what success was, I see your like vision board behind you. Mm -hmm. Like maybe if you had a vision board back then, what were the types of things on there? What did you think success was um, when you were earlier? And I know we always laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'll tell you this, and I didn't really think much about it until like late last year. But I remember there was a point when I was in middle school, and somebody had got this amazing new job. And I remember hearing somebody say, Oh, well, she's going to be making $50,000 a year. And I mean, I was in middle school, that was a lot of money. But I took like I didn't realize I held on to that number subconsciously. And then it was also looking at, okay, you know, you get a job in corporate. That's because where I grew up, it was more so like like warehouses and factories and things like that. So there weren't a lot of corporate jobs or there weren't any big corporations around. So getting a job in a corporate office, that was a big deal. Then it was like, oh, they gave me a work phone. That means I'm important, you know. Right. And then having a work laptop. And then it's like, oh, well, if I have meetings, that means that I'm important. So it's just like all of these little things that you keep seeing, like all these like managers and directors. It's not until I started having each of these things that I realized that I didn't really want all those things because all it meant was that your time wasn't as much of your time. Right. They call them the electronic leashes. And that's what they are. Yes. Yes. But for me, like, that's how I envisioned success. It was like, oh, well, I have all these things now. The company thinks I'm super important. So, yeah, that's what it started out as. Yeah. My number was um, sophomore year, physical therapy made 40000 And I thought, hot damn, $40,000. Sign me up. You know what I mean? That sounds amazing. You know, like, and I wanted an Acura. Or a cabriolet. Like those are my Oh my favorite. god, I loved both of those. I used to love actors, but because of I think there was a few girls in my high school that had the cabriolets. I thought they were the cutest cars. Yes. yes. But I don't like I don't like convertibles because I don't want my hair blowing all over the place. So I don't know why I wanted one. Also, I live in Washington. So like <laughs> when would we put it down? Like ever? Like maybe two weeks out of the year. I don't know. Like our dreams when we're young are not practical. They're just <laughs> Like, and I don't think dreams and goals have to be practical, but like Cabriolet in Seattle, Washington, probably not. Um, 
But I just like, those are the things where I thought like, man, if I could have an Acura, that means that I've really made it. Or if mm-hmm. I could make $40,000 a year, or even I remember the jump, like, and I was a mom, like I had gotten married and I was a mom and I was working at Ross Dress for Less. And um, I was making $6.75 and they made sure to let me know I got an extra 25 cents because I had experience. So Wow. Um, and then I got a job at the local hospital and I was making $10 and 55 cents an hour. I jumped from that. And I just thought like, what am I going to do with $10 an hour? (laughs) Like, this is amazing, you know? And then it's just like, you really realize that with like the different responsibility, even if you don't have kids, the different responsibilities that life brings, these numbers, these arbitrary numbers that we put on things, they don't mean anything. And it doesn't mean that it won't be enough. It's just like, why limit yourself Uh to a number? And I'm taking this course right now called New Money. Um, It's my friend Monique Gaffney who's teaching it. And she was talking about how that, you know, the financial cap, the threshold that we put ourselves under, Uh And for her, it was $100,000. Like she knew that she could easily make $100,000, maybe not keep it, but she could make it. Yeah. And she capped herself there. And Mm -hmm. even she, um, she wouldn't look at her finances and she was afraid of looking at her finances. And she ended up like reaching a hundred grand without even knowing it and sabotaging it at that immediately before she even knew it. Yep. And I just thought, man, and that is, you know, she talked about how we do that with weight, you know, like how we have a certain pound range that we're comfortable in and how if we get down to a certain point, we will get ourselves back up to that comfort line. And if we get over that comfort line, we'll work to get back to that comfort line. Yep. And it's just so interesting what we do. Um because we have these expectations and thoughts around what is acceptable for us or what is reasonable. And even that word reasonable sucks so bad. Like that's so fucking stupid. Like why would a goal have to be reasonable? It should be audacious. Like exactly. it should be ridiculous. Like in the best of ways, you know, like, and I'm speaking to myself when I say this, because I'm one of those people who is a very practical person. And I want to know like how we get there. You know, like I used to say, God, just show me the end. Like, just show me the end. So then I'll feel okay because I'll know that we get there. Okay. Like I'll let go of the details of getting there, but not knowing the end, I'm worried about all the steps to get there. And, um, and but you don't get to see the end because if you saw the end, the end could be many, many things. And the journey there is the whole point, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why the book talks about redefining success, like you're saying, yeah. like putting the stake in the ground where you say, This is a success, this was a success, even if it was something not good, mm-hmm. but it was a success for you. You know, like, I, I mean, I think of people lost in addiction and, you know, doing not good things for themselves, but if they can find something that they made a step forward, that's a Mm -hmm. win. Even if you were lost in your addiction, but you made a step forward, like maybe you made it to one meeting and then you used right after the meeting. Still a win. Yeah. And you can always pick back up and go to the next meeting. Yes. Yes. So I I love that. Talk to me a little bit more about like as you moved forward, like what brought you to like what types of things happened that um, you overcame and then brought you to this point where now you want to help people with goals and success? So for me, the biggest part was I actually attained each of those things that in my mind equaled success. So the more I attained it, the more I worked. Yes. But I just kept thinking, I'm like, oh, well, if I just do this, then that's going to prove my worth to the company. And I just, you know, kept adding more and more things. There were some points that were fairly exciting, 
Like I love doing things where um, we had like a committee that would plan fun events for the employees, but it also included like fundraising, things like that. So I was leading that. And then we had a, we had like another small committee and it was working with other locations and finding people that wanted to learn more about the company, have mentors, learn more about the other locations and just overall grow within the company. So then I started leading that and it was just doing all of these things. And then everything changed like almost overnight. So we had been acquired. Well, this was the new company, but it was time for us to finally start integrating our old company into the new company. And that's when everything started changing. But it was also around the time that it was like right after I turned 35. And, you know, once you hit your 30s, that's when everything changes, like your metabolism changes, like the way that you see things because you have more experience, all of that changes. So I went from being, well, one, I was always just used to having like this extremely high metabolism, never having to worry about anything to all of a sudden constantly putting on weight that I wasn't used to and didn't know how to take care of. I didn't know how to handle that. And then I went to, I went from being the expert in my role to being somebody, you know, in a brand new role, completely new. So I went from being an expert to feeling like I was starting all over in like kindergarten again. And it was at that point that I realized how much I held on to that identity of being the expert. Mm -hmm. So I had that. And on top of that, you know, as you as you start going through and you're in a new company, you have new people that you're working with. So I already was dealing with the fact that I was putting on weight and dealing with the fact that I was no longer the expert. And now I see all these, you know, these young ladies, they're coming in, they're like in their early 20s. And, and I just keep looking at them. I'm just like, I remember having that much energy. I remember being that skinny. I remember being that excited for all the possibilities. So all of that just kept gnawing at me. And it was like, it was a few months. And it was like every day I was getting lower and lower and lower. And I didn't know what was wrong. Like I had been promoted several times. Everybody was like, oh, you're doing great. You have all this happening. But inside I was like, I don't know why I'm not happy. Everybody else is telling me I should be happy. Why am I not happy for all of this? And it was at that point that I decided to ask myself, okay, what do I want? I let go of the why am I not happy? And I solely focused on answering the question of what do I want? And that's when I realized I was chasing after what I had been told equaled success, but I had never defined what it meant for me. Right. Yeah. once I did that, that's when I realized, because before that I had, um, I was leading a team. So I had the experience of working with, you know, team members, helping them reach their potential, helping them see that they actually did have the potential to do things that they had never done before. And that's what I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So that's what brought me to this point where it was like, okay, I've been through this. If I can prevent anybody else from going through this, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the difference too is um, when you're going through the motions like you're describing and um, meeting the things that um, you think are going to bring you that sense of accomplishment, it all hinges on external validation. Mm-hmm. Everything depends on the even being an expert. Says who? says them. They're like, oh, you're the expert in this. You're the go-to person. I'm going to come to you because you're the go-to person. And then starting over, and I always call it feeling stupid because that's how I feel. That's exactly how it felt. Like if I'm starting, I hate being new at something. (laughs) I hate it. And I don't even, I have no motivation to learn it because I feel so like almost a sense of shame Mm -hmm. that I don't already know this thing that I, nobody expects me to know, <laughs> yes. but I feel so embarrassed that I am so new at it. And I hate that I'm so new at it. And even like, I think about this, I'm like currently being held back because I'm working on a coaching program 
to go with the book. And, um, and so as I'm working and I'm giving myself a nice runway, like I'm going to have, like, I'm, I'm going to feel, I already feel amazing about what I'm offering, but I'm going to have it all solid and everything. I'm not just going in blind, but I'm new and I, I hate mm-hmm. that. And the reality is I'm not really new. I've been doing these things all along. I've just never charged anyone for it. And I've yeah. like packaged it with other things, like how you mentored people and helped them reach their potential. You've been doing it all along. You just weren't a goal success coach before. Exactly. And so like just being new at it in that role, just as like, you know, and, and just feeling like, can I really provide something of value for somebody? Because I'm not the expert. I haven't been doing it in this way. Mm-hmm. We don't see the transferable skills. We don't see the value that we have. And even if I hadn't been doing it, um, you know, within my business in this way, that's, it's like in me, it's mm-hmm. like in who I am or else I wouldn't want to do it. Exactly. Intrinsically yes. inside of who I am. And that's enough. Yes. Like, and so it's the difference between allowing someone else to say you're an expert and allowing yourself to say you are enough. Mm -hmm. You are worthy of helping people in this way, of being this way, of having these things, of having this state of being. And we are not comfortable talking about our worthiness or our enoughness, as I like to call it. We're not comfortable saying, you know, like I've said this before on the show, like um, somebody challenged me because I try to say, I I like to deflect compliments, you know, like it feels uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to receive. And uh, so I've gotten better about saying thank you. Yeah. And, um, but then they're like, no, 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 no. It's not thank you. It's thank you. That's true. Or thank you so much. Okay. I've been working on that. That's that's true. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like, and mm. and telling yourself that's true. That's really what you're doing. Yeah. You're not telling them, you're not being cocky. You're saying to them and to yourself, I accept that. I receive that. And I appreciate you recognizing that in me. And we don't do that very often. We don't want to accept because we think we're being cocky or we think it's not true. Yep. And that's the ticket. Do you see that with your clients too? Yeah, that's, that's actually one of the biggest challenges because when you're, when you're so used to one being told you have to be humble. Yeah. You know, it's like, you can't you're not supposed to promote yourself you're not supposed to you know give yourself credit for the things that you do you're supposed to wait for somebody else to acknowledge it yes but even at that point you're still supposed to deflect it so i don't know about you but like that was something that was always ingrained you heard it from family members you heard it from like sometimes you would hear it in school it really just depended on the situation but it was always Oh, if you believe this about yourself, if you believe that you are good enough, that means that you're, you're cocky, you're conceited, you're self-centered. Yeah. So it was, it's trying to work through that. And there's a lot of journaling that happens. (laughs) There's a lot of journaling because that's something that it like, it's ingrained in so many of us. Well, and we don't even know. That's the thing is like right now I'm working through some journaling, especially with that new money course and like things that I had no idea were connected because I never attributed them. They don't look the same. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't look the same as how it presents for me. And so um, because of that, I thought it didn't have anything. It didn't rub off on me. It didn't have an effect on me. And as I'm um, unpacking it and as I'm looking at it, I'm like, holy shit. Yes, it is. That is the same as me. It just looks different. It just looks a little different. So that's why I didn't accept it. And also because it's something that I don't like about that person. Yeah. 
And so I did not want to admit that I had something in common or that I had received that um, trait or that, um, belie- I guess, belief system mm-hmm. about that particular topic. Um, I just was like flabbergasted about it because you, unless you journal it out, unless you let it flow and just yeah. journaling and journaling and journaling and journaling, then it like, un or just even sitting in meditation and like unwinding it, like play it backwards, like go back, mm-hmm. go back, go back. Where did this come from? Like a phrase comes in your mind. Why, why do I think that it's kind of like the, what do you want? Why yeah. do I think that? Mm-hmm. And then play it backwards and then say, where did, it, where have I heard that before? Or where have I seen that before? Mm-hmm. That's a big one is we don't attribute things that we have seen and like, or in, even when like, um, in, what am I trying to say? When people have tried to do things in a very loving way or, um, like I'll just use myself as an example. I have always wanted to, um, be very open and honest about money with my kids because I didn't understand money because my parents tried to, I think in some ways shield us Uh and protect us from that so that we wouldn't be worried. You know what I mean? And so I've always been like, all right, well, this is how much the mortgage payment is. And this is how much we pay for groceries. And like, I'm very, very open about that because I want them to have a realistic idea. They're going to be taking on when they go into life. Well, what I have done is create anxiety around money because then mm. I also, because I'm so open about it, will tell them out loud, not in, not intentionally, but I'll be like, Oh no, we can't afford that. Or, um, mm. no, or, you know, money's tight this month or, you know, whatever it might be. And to the point where my poor little baby, 12 year olds, like she goes, mom, are we poor? Aww. And I was like, no, honey, we are not poor. She's like, well, it just makes me feel bad when you want to buy me things because I'm wondering if it's going to hurt the house, like hurt the finances of the Mm. house. Oh, baby, no. Like, that's just mama, like, going off, you know, like, don't even listen to me. Like, that's just my own lack mentality. You know, like, really, that's not true. Like, we do have what we need. We do have all those things. I'm just like, I have a mindset that is geared towards that. But that's not the reality. And if I say that I can pay for something and we want to buy something for you, then then we can. Like, yeah. I'm never going to damage our finances or whatever. But in that regard, it's like the things that they've seen or they've heard, you know, and I'm trying to say, like, um, uh, we're prioritizing our money elsewhere at this time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we have other priorities right now. Yeah. And that, that means we have the money, but that's not what we're going to spend it on. Yeah. You know? And, you know, do things like that, those tiny little shifts and things. But then I wonder, like, is it, I mean, my daughters are 23 and 21 and they're petrified of getting credit cards. And I'm like, guys, you got to get credit cards because you're not going to be able to buy a house or rent a car. Yeah. That's or, the unfortunate side know, of it. Yeah. Like you got to do it. And they're like, I'm scared. Like, what if I screw it up? And what if I rack up a whole bunch of debt? I'm like, buy a pack of gum per month. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care, but like, just, you know, or have me hold it for you, you know, like whatever, but you got to have credit. And so, um, those are the things where I'm like, Oh man, I, I think I, I messed it up. Not intentionally. We try to do good by other people. Like here, I was trying to do something different, Yeah, but I still messed it up. And so we have to like, unwind it for ourselves and thank you um we have to unwind it for ourselves and um and come to again like what does financial success what does Mm -hmm. professional success what does personal success look like for us by us yes not because of anything else and then stop the mindset and stop the um, horrible thoughts that we tell ourselves in the worst case scenarios, because at the end of the day, like what is the absolute worst that can happen? Like the absolute worst that can happen is that I lose absolutely everything, but we're still together 
and we sleep on couches or we go to a shelter and my kids will still be taken care of because I'll be damned. And yeah, maybe I miss a couple meals. Okay. You know, like, yeah. all right, there, done. I've done the worst case scenario. Can we move on now, please? You know, but you know, what do you see in terms of your clients? Do they do that same type of, you know, worst case scenario type thing or how do they come to, how do they define it for themselves? Like what type of work do you do to get them there to help define it? So we do, and and as part of, um, so I have a membership and as part of that, I have a course called Redefining Success. I'm actually working on kind of switching that up a little bit. But as part of that, I do touch on um, what Tim Ferriss calls fear setting. I don't know if you've seen his TED talk about it. Mm-mm. But it's basically the same concept. You take all of your worst case scenarios and instead of setting goals, you're setting yourself up for, okay, if this happens, you now have a plan for if these worst case scenarios happen. So no matter what, that takes a, away a lot of that anxiety mm-hmm. because it's like, okay, if this happens, well, now I know what I'm going to do, but I've also put something in place where I can try to avoid that scenario happening right. in the first place. So we do have um, like a, a worksheet that we go through with that and go through that process. But as far as defining success, the first thing I start with is, well, visualization, vision boards. Yeah. Because once you picture what you want your ideal life to look like, then you can start working backwards to try and say, okay, what do I need? to actually make that happen. And a lot of times the things that we're told equal success are nowhere near the things that would actually make us happy in the end. Right. You know, like so many people they're like, oh, well, I need to make a hundred thousand dollars. I need a big house. I need the most expensive cars. I need like, you know, like the, the most expensive clothes. And it's like, what do you really want? Like, how do you want your life to look? Come to find out they might just want a beach house. And they want to just be able to travel. You don't need all of these other things to be able to do that. You can find a way to live like that now. Yeah. So it's changing that perspective, changing that mindset, but starting with visualizing what your life actually looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And believing it, like believing it so strongly. And I was, um, talking to one of my best friends who like manifested moving to Hawaii and she did it in like she said I'm gonna do it in nine months I'm moving my whole family to Hawaii she did it in six wow and um and like nothing added up on paper like nothing (laughs) added up and somehow it all came together she had a job when she went and um they have a house with property and the rent was like $700 less than they were spending here. Wow. Hawaii is expensive. (laughs) All of this, they had stayed in an Airbnb and the house next door, they were thinking about selling it, but they liked the, her and her husband so much. They said, would you be interested in renting our house? Cause they said they wanted to move there and they were like, heck yeah. And they're like, okay, this is how much we'll charge you. Cause we like you. I mean, like, you can't make this stuff up. Like, it's just so weird. And so, um, yeah, she, you know, I, so I said to her, like, I need to like rub off some of that. Like, I want some of that magic. And she's like, well, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know. She goes, that's your problem. Mm -hmm. She's like, you got to write a whole list of what you want and then pick the one thing that you want and put all of your energy in that one thing. And I remember she had a binder where she wrote a list of all of the things she would have to do if she was going to move to Hawaii. Like her dogs needed a certain vaccination, a certain, she did all this research of everything like she needed to do if there, if that was going to happen, she was like, it's not, if that's going to happen, it's when that's going to happen. And she started taking the dogs to the vet. And she started setting up, you know, her, like she decided she was going to be, you know, like a CNA. So she started taking courses to do a CNA so she could transfer that job. She started doing all these things. um, And like with just the most resolute 
determination yep. that this was going to happen. And even, and I said, maybe you should take your husband to Hawaii before you move there. Just a thought, you know. <laughs> Honestly, and, I would think the same thing. And then she, um, they'd never gone on a trip alone together and they have four kids. Wow. And so they went on this trip and that's how they met this person. And he, of course, was like in love, like just, you know, whatever. And just all like, and even that trip, like it didn't add up for them to go like financially it didn't add up, but then it all like came together. And I was like, I need that in my life. I want that in my life. Like just to feel, I want to feel that like mm -hmm. just, you know, that just surety that something in like one piece is going to work out because I'm a nervous Nelly. Like <laughs> I am like a warrior. So, so that was a very interesting piece of advice. And I like your um, thought process of the opposite too. Like, like list out all the things that you think um, would like prevent you from doing that mm -hmm. or what the worst case scenario is and then how you would solve all those things. Yeah. And part of the process. So we do the visualization first, then we do the fear setting. And at the end, is when we create the plan. Mm. So you have to go, but I also focus on self-care, mindfulness, and gratitude as part of your, your action plan. Those are always major pieces because no matter what you're doing, no matter what your goal is, if you're not taking care of yourself, it doesn't matter if you reach that goal or not. You're not gonna, it's not going to feel good to you. Mm -hmm. So I always include those, but you have to go through all of those pieces and clear a lot of the anxiety and start putting in support systems and having this, the skills to help you get through those challenges before you create your plan or you won't believe that you can achieve that plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so, so true. I mean, and yeah, just having a clear map of what you, what you should, not even should, like what you, you, I said something, um, or not said something, I wrote something down that you said, and that is excited for possibilities. Like you said that about the 20 year olds, but yeah. I was just like, I'm 43. I'm going to be 44 year, the, years old this year. I want to feel that. Yeah. I want to take that on. I want to be like, fuck, I have all these things I can do. Like, yes. Amazing, all these possibilities that I can do. Like, it's we're not pigeonholed into one thing just because we're a certain age or we've been doing yeah. something for a certain amount of time. Like, we are eternal 20 year olds. Yeah. We just, our, our bodies are a little bit more tired. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that that's like what you said and noticed about that. And you're doing that and in empowering. Yeah. Women to, well, I'm guessing women mostly, but yeah. um, you're empowering women to, um, to take that on for themselves again and say, what does that look like? Okay. Let's get excited. Let's start. Like what's possible? Like yeah. what, let's put that all out there and don't hold back. Like, let's just like do like, if, if you think it's impossible, then it goes on the board. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's no restrictions. There's no like um, reasonable there's there's none of that you know what i mean like potentially like no it's like this would be crazy like would this be crazy yes that's going on the board you know like um and if that's the possibility then but then also just to take on that mantle of like excitement and just yeah. know that like it really doesn't matter where you're at I met this woman who was on my podcast and she started her career after leaving corporate for decades. And I think she said she was like 65 and wow. she started her business when she was like 65. She's seeing wow. um, baby boomers about LinkedIn hmm. and, um, and she's amazing. Like she's <laughs> absolutely amazing. And just like a firecracker and like, and really knows her stuff. And at 65, and she would. Yeah. And she's like, baby boomers are like afraid of LinkedIn, but they're still working because you really have to work until you're like 72 now, at least. Yeah. 
And, and a lot of them may have had layoffs or things like that. And then they're lost because they were at the same, they were taught to stay at the same company for Mm -hmm. a long period of time. And then now they're like, ah, I don't, you know, like this is all new and I don't know how to network and I don't know how to show up professionally and all this kind of stuff. And so she's like, I got you. I got you, boo-boo. Like, come on over here. It's boomer friendly over here. Like, you know. (laughs) I will help you over, you know, mm-hmm. do your, you know, make over your LinkedIn, teach you how to use it, teach you how to connect with people. And I just thought like, what an amazing thing. Here she is going and she did it because her boss told her, like she left her corporate career to do this. Her boss wow. told her, you're really good at this. Like you should really, like, I love having you here, but you should really think about doing this. Her name is Joyce Faustel. It's F-E-U-S-T-E-L. Anyone who's a baby boomer who needs LinkedIn help, find her on LinkedIn. She's amazing. Um, But she was very tech savvy and, you know, not a lot of other people were, and she was helping people already. And he says, make this a business. Yeah. You're like a go-getter, like go, go do this like for yourself. And, um, and that's the thing is like, we can have that level of possibility. We have to embrace it and redefine like um, success can be having an attitude of possibility. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Success can be anything. It's anything to me, whatever it is that's going to make you feel joy, whatever it is that's going to make you feel fulfilled with your life, that is success. That's all it is. It does not have to be anything more than that. Mm-hmm. What is success to you, Tamika? For me, it's freedom. So that's time, location, and financial freedom. I love that. I love that. One of the things on my what do I want list, which is right here, um, and not done, um, is uh, go on vacation and don't work. Oh, Yes. Because I do take vacations, be especially like we got a timeshare deal. Don't even yeah. start. You know, I mean, <laughs> but I'm like, if I have it, I'm gonna use it to the max. You know what I mean? Like I'm maxing out this puppy because I got bamboozled into it, so it's happening. Um, but I always work. Like not. I try. Like I've gotten better about cutting back. Mm. But I'm worried about the explosion when I when I come back, uh, uh, like the backlash of being gone, which always happens. But like, I want to just not worry about that. I just want to be present and be with my family and mm-hmm. go to the pool with my daughter or play at the um, billiards, you know what I mean? Or whatever it might be, walk around wherever we are and yeah. um, and not stress about work. And not like I've gotten better where I don't take any calls. I used to take calls while we're on vacation. Okay. Yeah, that that's. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. But I do check in with my team because I have um, two VAs. Okay. So I do check in with my team, but I don't do it every day. And, um, but even that, I mean, like, I'd love to like get it down to like one, like yeah. midpoint. Be like, how's it going? What do you need from me? Like, whatever, whatever, whatever. All right, cool. Yeah. If it burns down, let me know. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what did I used to tell my kids? If it's not broke, if you're not broken, barfing or bleeding, I don't want to hear about it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's pretty much what we have to take on. <laughs> um, okay, Tamika, if you were to look forward 20 years and then in that 20 year mark, you looked backwards and you were to look at the legacy that you created in that 20 years from now until then, what would that look like? What would you want? What would that version of success at legacy level at 20 years look like for you? So for me at 20 years, well, I'll say this. So when I started my business, probably about two years after I first started, I gave myself a really big goal. I'm still nowhere close. It's only been about a year and a half since I said it. But that goal was to help 100,000 women in 10 years. So I set that goal in 2020. 
and I'm working to achieve that by the end of 2030. So as part of that, my legacy that I want to leave behind is that no matter what you're doing in life, no matter where you are, you always have time to focus on you. You need to be a priority in your life. And it's having women take ownership of that, having them take responsibility for their own fulfillment within their lives and spreading the word that it's okay to be ambitious. We are allowed to be ambitious as women. We can have you know, just as many big, huge goals as anybody else, but it's also making time to take care of ourselves and teaching the younger generations what that looks like so that they're not, you know, fighting these battles of, mm-hmm. oh, I can't take time for myself because all of these things need to get done. It's teaching them from the very beginning so that they're not fighting these stories of, I need to always be busy. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So good. So good. Well, Tamika, I always close with the same question because I get the most amazing answers. And that is, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? So I have two different ones. One of them I think was actually kind of funny. The first time I heard it, I didn't understand and I was a little offended. But there was someone who told me he had to be probably in his like late 50s at this time. It was somebody at work. But he told me he never gave advice to anyone under the age of 27. Mm. And he said that because until you're 27, you feel like you know everything. You feel like you have all the answers and you're not open to the advice of somebody who's been there and who's gone through what it is that you're going through. Because you feel like their situation is different and you won't have the same obstacles. So that is one piece that I, I do think about a lot. Yeah. I think that's true. <laughs> As a mom of a 23 and a 21 year old, I'm like, have you scheduled the primary care doctor yet? Uh, <laughs> yeah. All the things. Yeah. So it's not until, and like I said, when he first said it to me, I wasn't 27 yet. So once I hit 27, that's when I was like, okay, you know what? I understand now. I get it. Yes. Yeah. So, that's the first one. The second one actually comes from a series. So one of my favorite authors, and funny enough, I never got into this genre until I read this first book. And I still don't know what made me read this first book. I think I got it for free somewhere. But so the author is Nalini Singh. And she has one of her, she has a few different book series. But this one that um, that I got hooked on is called the Side Changeling series. And in this, you have three different races. This is set like 100 years in the future. There's three different races. You have a race that's like purely psychic, like they're in their heads, like everything about them is in their heads. That's where their strengths are. You have changelings and they're the ones who change into animals. And then you have just regular humans. So, but the very first book in that series, so with the, with the, the Psy race, they have um, their powers are different. So not everybody has the same power, but because they tried to erase emotion, there was one power that they tried to, they tried to, they didn't, because they couldn't eliminate it. But what they did was tell this group of people that basically they were useless. Mm. They didn't tell them what their true strength was. They just told them that they didn't have any strengths. And that group was the empaths. Mm. So that was the first book, but it was seeing the characters go through realizing the lies that they had been told their entire lives and then coming to grips with the fact that they do have a very unique power and that there is power within that and them taking ownership of that and being able to step forward. Now, throughout the series, you'll see like a lot of it's basically a lot of the same the same concepts but each person has their own battle where they're fighting something and you get to see them work through that you get to see the pain you get to and because it's a book you you know you learn about what their thought processes are and you see the the support of the family coming in and helping them work through that and in the end in most cases you see them overcome that and start to step into their power. 
Right. Oh my gosh. So important because we all have our own battles. I think that's something that I, that if I could take on this year that I've seen the message that's been coming to me over and over again, is it's not about you. Like it's mm -hmm. really not about you. Like everyone has their own shit. They're, they're the main yeah. character in their story. Mm -hmm. You're just like a side person, like either yeah. an annoyance or like someone who brings them joy, <laughs> like whatever, like, or the sidekick or like whatever, but it's about them in their world. Mm -hmm. And it's about you, like, you feel like everything revolves around you, but really this has nothing to do with you. Exactly. It just intertwines at different points. And you, we like, we overlap and we hurt and we bump up against and we heal and we help and like all these things, but we're all in our own little bubble. It's like, we're the bubble boy. You know what I mean? We're like yes. looking around, <laughs> you know, sometimes we try to poke a hole in the bubble and, you know, or we hit a nail or something, but it's not about me. Mm -hmm. And I think this goes to many topics, but it's not about me. It is about like I got to work out my own stuff yeah. and this is what the success is about is like, we can't rely on other people mm -hmm. to bring us our value because they will fail us a hundred percent of the time. Yes. We have to find that within ourselves or else we will fail ourselves a hundred percent of the time. Exactly. Because we can't, like, if we're looking and looking and looking, it's never going to come. And, um, yeah, I just, I love what you do. Like, I love what you do. And, you know, my plan is to um, launch a coaching program in the fall, doing something similar to what you do in a very different way. But I just, like... And I don't feel like there's any competition. There needs to be more of this discussion. Yeah. There needs to be more of people showing up in different modalities and different mm -hmm. ways because people connect in different ways with people. And that's why I just had to have you on the show because what you do is so special and you're helping shed light and open doors and, ex and what is it? Ex be excited for the possibilities. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because that's what it's really, really about is like, you don't have to be 20. Exactly. Look at the world with that like wide eyed view, like have a wide eyed view, like open, open yeah. your eyes. Yeah. See it from your eyes. Stop looking through lenses that are someone else's eyes. Yeah. That's what we're doing. We're just putting on different glasses and going, yeah, that's kind of blurry, but I can make it work. You know, <laughs> like, or they're dirty, you know, what yeah. I mean? whatever it might be like. So I think what you're doing is really helping people shed that. And then it, it's almost like putting on glasses that are the right prescription and going, oh, my God, this is what the <laughs> world looks like. You know, what I mean? like, <laughs> you know, like the whole time the leaves looked like that, you know, like and that's that's what you're doing. You're helping women put on the right prescription. Yes. And see the world in a new way. And I just think that's beautiful. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And I was excited when you first told me about your book. I was just like, yes, I love it. Yes. Because that's exactly what it's about. It's just, it's you taking ownership. You are the only one responsible for your life. Yes. And for what happens. It's like yeah. you have outside influences, but you are responsible for the direction that you take. Yes. And the book is my story. But it's really our story. It's just through the lens. I'm just the one with the big fat mouth who's willing to own up to the things that I've done wrong and to talk about the things that have happened to me so that I can show and illustrate the points that in a in real life. But it's mm -hmm. our story. That's what this show is about other people's stories to illustrate other people's lives. You don't get my story unless you buy the book. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Which P.S. I do have to mention before we close that this week is the pre-sale opens on Thursday for um, pre-orders of the book. Please, please 
reserve your book by purchasing. There are, there's also like a lot of different um, tiers with perks and things. Um, I'm going to be giving away some, not giving away, it'll be in with your book package, but the merch. So I'm going to have some t-shirts to say I am successful as fuck. There'll be stickers. There'll be other little fun goodies. Um, I There's also an event that I'm going to be holding with the 10 traits of a successful person. Um, and so I would ask that you would please support this topic is so, so, so important. Um, and all of the proceeds of this pre-order goes towards the cost to publish the book. And we need to get this book out to the public. So even if you can't financially support, share it. But if you have the um, funds to financially support the book, I, with my whole heart, ask that you would do so. So that look for that on Thursday. Um, and thank you, Tamika, so much for joining us. If you would like to reach out to Tamika and learn more about what she's doing with people, we have included her information in the show notes. So I invite you to please reach out to her. And, um, and if you have any questions, um, she's your go-to person because this woman is on fire. She's amazing. And she's changing the world 100,000 women at a time. Yes. <laughs> thank you again, Tamika. Thanks so much, Raya. All right, guys. Thank you. This has been another episode of Successful as Fuck. And we hope that you'll join us next time, which is tomorrow. So, all right, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Successful as Fuck, the podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and I'm just going to say I had a lot of fun doing this episode, and I hope you had a lot of fun listening. We always have a good time on this podcast because we get to tell the stories of real people just like you. I'm going to encourage you, please join our pre-launch community. It's amazing. We get to see all the behind the scenes of what's going on with the book that's due out September 22, and that is also called Successful as Fuck Shocker. If you join the community, you're going to get the behind the scenes. You're going to get the chance to get prizes. I love to give those out. So don't miss out, guys. The link will be in the show notes, and we hope that you'll come back next time for the next episode of Successful as Fuck, the podcast.